0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. It's a great day. Take a minute, to share the broadcast. Uh, I got a word for you this morning. All week. We've been literally talking about um, the power of kingdom currency, which is your time. Kingdom currency is time. Anything you do for the Lord is done within that quadrant of of time. You can't pray without giving him your time. You can't read the word. You can't be faithful to church. You can't witness. You can't do anything. Even the seeds you sow in the kingdom financially are there because of your time Uh, as you work your job you're giving them your time, they're giving you back your paycheck. So even your seeds that you sow in the offering are a representation of your time. So time is the kingdom currency. It's what we give to the Lord and it's something we can never get back. That's why it's the most valuable uh, thing we have. And all week, if you've missed any of these, maybe we'll put them in some sort of a playlist for you on YouTube. But yesterday especially, if you missed that yesterday, I would encourage you to go back Uh, And check that out. We may even put that into some sort of an article uh, or post for you guys to even read and and continue to go over because it will help you immensely. Yesterday, I gave you five simple ways to protect your precious time. Five simple ways to protect your precious time. And let me tell you something. It needs to be protected because as I've been saying all week, if you don't write your own itinerary, one will be handed to you your time. If you don't protect your time, it will be stolen from you without question. And I think anybody understands that Uh, there's always something looking for your time. So uh, today we're going to deal with something um, that is very important, especially as a spirit filled believer. Yeah, Melissa, it's an important message. She said yesterday hit me hard and woke me up. And um, I, I understand what you mean because It's not until you have that understanding where it's like, man, have I, I remember when it hit me where it's like, you know what? I need to be on it, man. It's like, I can't, I can't sit back and just like let my time be wasted, you know, and just, and just be flippant with what I'm doing for the Lord. And I remember that very, very uh, vividly how the Lord really got on me and said, it's time for you to start being diligent in producing for the kingdom. And um, just to give you a little bit of a story, um, when I was starting out as a traveling minister, now I was was in the ministry for almost a decade before I was a full-time traveling evangelist. I was on staff as an associate with my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth at Dominion Christian Center in Virginia Beach, and uh, learned so much there, had so much impartation, learned so many lessons uh, that have served me so extremely well as I've been traveling, but when I started traveling, of course, when I worked there, I was working and I will say that's one of the things that I appreciate about uh, being able to work for my, my aunt and uncle is they taught me uh, the power of very productive, diligent work. We were productive, diligent workers in that office. And uh, I learned how to uh, depend on the Holy Spirit to learn different tasks. When I went there out of Bible school, I knew next to nothing about how to do anything. I could preach a little bit, but that's about it. And uh, it was there that it was really the the not I wouldn't say pressure, but like it's the the weight of responsibility comes on you. Know, it's time to produce. It's time to produce something for the kingdom. And you know, and I got there and really started um, doing full time graphics and and things, Photoshop graphics for the church, ads, things like that. Learned that doing uh, audio editing, video editing, and working with people and all of these awesome things that I had to produce and had to be working and make sure projects were out the door and things were done. I learned how to not just be a kind of a sit around, you know, it, it was, it was after that. Let me tell you, here's when I got this revelation. After that, when I was like, because, you know, I was the youth pastor at the church, but that was like, you know, as far as time spent working, it was one of the least um, things that took the least amount of time out of my schedule. And I thought to myself, after that, I was like, why would a pastor ever hire a full-time youth pastor for 40 hours a week with benefits? Yeah. It's like, what are you doing for 40 hours a week? Because I was a youth pastor and pastoring and handmaking, custom-making all of our, I mean, I taught with full interactive um, slides and graphics flying around. And I was getting that message into those kids. And um, everything, you know, we do events, we do evangelistic events, but it didn't take me 40 hours a week to make all that happen. I was doing all kinds of other stuff. And I thought to myself at that moment, I recognized how much time is wasted especially in church offices, how much time is wasted? How many youth pastors across America today have come into work and from 9 a.m. to probably 1130 are just scrolling ESPN.com or checking fantasy football or whatever else they're doing. And and it, it shows you that you've got more time than you think you do to be productive. And so I don't really believe there's many people that are just all out producing, but God's looking for productive people. He's looking for for producers in the kingdom. That's what John 15 is talking about, that God's looking for people that have fruit production in their lives and that the husbandman who is God, the father is constantly inspecting the branches that are connected to the true vine. And if they're not producing fruit, they're cut off. The Bible says, now we know that means uh, fruit of righteousness or works of righteousness. But understand if you if you read the parable of the talents, the master was looking at what they produced and the one who didn't, the one who just maintained, the one who just put life on cruise control was referred to as wicked. And so God's looking for producers. There's no question about that. Well, to be one, you have to properly utilize your time. There's no question about it. That's why even in the secular world, even in the business world, there's a whole section of books in the bookstore on time management and productivity. Time management and productivity, because even they understand that you're not gonna get anything done, even in the secular world, if your time is not uh, properly managed. That's why there's best sellers like The One Minute Manager or Who Moved My Cheese? Because people understand even in the secular world that if you're not faithful to steward your time, you're not gonna do anything. You're not going to accomplish anything. So how much more? Now think about this. The Bible says for us, I read it the other day when I was on with Pastor Brian in Colossians chapter two, everything we do as we work, hear me, everything we do as we work must be done as unto the Lord. You know, people say, well, I don't really like my boss and he doesn't appreciate me because I'm not a Christian. I'm just not going to do that great of a job for him until we get a new boss or manager on the team. You're not working for your boss. You're working for Jesus Christ. Well, I work a secular job. You're working for Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you work for Jesus. And everything you do must be done as though you were doing it directly for Jesus. That's what Colossians is teaching there. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, I believe it's verse 13. Am I right about that, Pastor Brian? Oh, 3.23. Thank you. See, that's why I keep him here. He's, he'll, he's, he'll fact check me. He'll put me right back to Bible school. Uh, Colossians three twenty three. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, and not for men. You see that? Work heartily as for the Lord. Whatever you do, so we're working for the Lord. <clears throat> no matter what we do, you could be a computer programmer and you write code like you're writing it for Jesus. Amen. You could be a garbage man. You pick up garbage bags like you're doing it for Jesus. I mean, whatever you do, you do it for Jesus. There's my friend Gary McLeod. Love you, buddy. And so I'm in Ephesians 5 today because today's topic we're talking about, and I'm staying on this for the week because the Lord wants us to get this message that our time is valuable. It's important. It's important. And it doesn't need to be wasted. Now, I'm not saying that there can't be times in your life where, you know, you don't have downtime things that you do because rest and relaxation are also important elements of your schedule. Don't work till you burn out. God wants to have long, strong workers, which includes, and that's this is scriptural, by the way, uh, your rest time. In fact, I'll give you a quick one. The Lord showed me the disciples came back and told the Lord all that they'd been accomplishing. Oh, the demons are all, and then miracle signs, wonders, gospel preach, soul save. And Jesus said, doesn't even respond to their work. And he says, now come away to a solitary place and rest for there's been so much coming and going that we've not even had a chance to eat. Jesus didn't respond to their work. He looked at his workers and said, now it's time to rest. That shows you Jesus understands the power Of rest. God doesn't even need rest and modeled rest for you. On the seventh day, He rested. Think about that. God doesn't need rest. I mean, think about it. He doesn't need rest. He was modeling it for you. That's what the Sabbath was. It was a day of rest. And so He modeled that for you and for me. Rest is important. So I'm not saying there shouldn't be times when you have downtime. There should. But if all of your time is downtime, there's a problem. There's a problem. And so the, the story I started is after I left uh, being on staff at the church because I felt the call to start traveling and preaching. Uh, one of the things I learned is um, if I didn't have meetings scheduled, I was just home at my house. You know, when you're starting a ministry, when you're in the beginning, we didn't have all the things going we have now. You know what I mean? We weren't doing all the things with the ministry that we're doing now in 2021. And so when I'd come home from a meeting, it was like, well, I'm done until the next meeting starts, you know, and I had to learn. And also by conviction of the Holy Spirit, I had to learn, don't just come home after two weeks of meetings and you've got three weeks until your next meeting and say, well, you know what? I got three weeks off. Like it's three weeks of vacation until my next revival meetings. And I had to teach myself, no, that's not, that's not the Bible way. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. You come home and continue to work diligently until your next meeting that you travel. Now, now it's not, you know, at this point, it's like, (laughs) uh, let me tell you, at this point, it's like, uh, we're, we're looking for opportunities where we can put some rest in there because we go nonstop and we go hard. We run very hard. Uh, but back then, you know, there wasn't, wasn't a lot to do. And I had to understand that just to keep myself in the mindset that I would begin to do things, and the Lord began to show me, He said, start doing things, start producing things that will bless the body of Christ, that will bring people into the kingdom, uh, that will get the Word of God out, uh, so that you're not sitting around idle for two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time. And it was then, if you'll remember, some of you that knew me this long it was then that I just, you know what, went and bought myself a camera and some lights, sat down and started recording all of these videos that have now gone around the world and I've had so many people contact said, "We play these in our church, we play these in our youth group, we play these for our students at school and Christian schools." And I started recording all these 5 and 6 minute videos, topical videos from things on the word of God. Well, it took time to film all that, it took time to edit all that, it took time to put all those graphics together. And then the Lord said, add on top of that, start doing a podcast. And back then we were only podcasting once a week. And so the Lord said, get on that study, get a word and preach even if you're not preaching and speak and teach. And so we were filming the videos and we were podcasting so that it would ensure that I wouldn't just ever be able to come home and say, well, I'm done until the next day. No, work for the kingdom, whatever that might be, whatever it is. Then he started having me write books. And so I'd come home, I'd be writing. And about 2014, I started to write first book ever. I wrote two books and threw them in the trash because I I didn't understand what I was doing. And so then what did I do? Seek out wisdom, seek out guidance, seek out uh, people that could teach me a better way. And um, and so understand, I started going after it and I was now teaching podcasting and now I was doing videos, now I was writing books. And the Lord showed me that you don't have to be standing behind a pulpit to do what I'm calling you to do. And so what did it do? It taught me to make the most of my time. Put it in the comments, make the most of your time. So then I started setting goals and even with the writing and I felt the Lord speaking to me to do more writing before I'm 40 years old, I'll have written 10 books or more. And before my, before I'm done, I'll have written over hundred books. If Jesus tarries, I'm on track to write over hundred books. And I'm going to keep on pressing, maybe more than that. If the Lord gives me the grace to do it. And, but you know what it takes? Time management. It takes the ability to make the most, as the Bible says, of your time. So <clears throat> one of the things that I'll encourage you about with this lesson about making the most of your time is it, it, it's very important for you to, um, to assess what's been going on in your life. You need to assess. One of the things that you need to do is become very introspective. I'm going to give you a couple of things that will keep you productive and productive in the right area. First of all, assess and become introspective. Look back at what you have been doing and honestly judge it. Is it making an impact? Is it even worth my time? Is it even worth my time to do it that way? Uh, Introspection is one of the hardest things for people to do because they love to just either not look at it or lie to themselves and say, yeah, I'm crushing it. When they're really not. Introspection is hard. It's hard to turn the lens on your own life. It's easy to judge other people. (laughs) It's easy to. And and, and let me me tell you something now. One of the things um, that you've got to learn is that most people want to compare where they currently are with people who are behind them. That's what the carnal uh, soul loves to do. Is It's one of these. Let me give you the example. Well, at least I'm not like him. At least I'm not like her. That's what the carnal mind loves. You know why? Makes you feel better about your lack of productivity. Because you might be a uh, Really lacking in that area of producing for the kingdom, but if you can at least find somebody that's doing less than you, it justifies your lack of productivity. Well, at least I'm not like him. At least I'm not like her. That's not what you do. You know, uh, I'll give you a lesson that I learned that helped me immensely, and I think uh, I even put this in, in further faster. It's either in further faster or it's in the book on the complete guide to biblical fasting because it was one of the last two books I wrote, but. It was, it was called comparing forward. You, you want to learn. It's not that you shouldn't compare. You know, the Bible says comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise, but that's in a negative context. But God does want you to compare yourself with someone in a positive context. If he didn't, he would not have, the Holy Spirit would not have had the apostle Paul say twice to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's impossible to imitate Paul without comparing your life to his. Let me say that again. It's impossible to emulate him or imitate him. If you don't use his life as the standard and then compare yours to his takes comparison. It takes comparison. You have to be able to compare to something. There's got to be a standard somewhere. And you know, that wasn't all because Paul also said, When I'm not with you, I've sent my son Timothy to you so that he can teach you how to live like I live. Think about that. Paul was actually organizing discipleship courses. I want you to, I want you to say that. Paul was organizing discipleship courses. He, sent, he couldn't be there, so what did he do? Sent Timothy to teach how to live like I live. Glory to God. And I did put that one in the fasting book because there's people that have tried to argue with me and say, well, Paul didn't even believe in fasting because if he did, how come he didn't teach it to any of the churches he wrote letters to? Why didn't he teach on fasting in any of those letters? Well, in the chapter I wrote about Paul in that book, You understand that, first of all, Paul did believe in it because we have record of him doing it multiple times in the book of Acts. Acts 19 and beyond, Paul is pictured and mentioned fasting and praying. But then when he said, and this is something the Holy Spirit showed me because I'd never seen it. When he said, I've sent Timothy to teach you to live like I live, that would have included fasting and prayer. And when he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, that would have included fasting and prayer because it's what he was doing with his life. And so Paul was saying, thank you, Scott. Paul was saying, um, compare your life to my life and then do what I'm doing because what I'm doing is pleasing to the Lord. And so if there's no standard, there's no comparison. And so the key, I learned this, always find people. are doing what you want to do or are called to do that are doing it at a much higher level than you are and imitate them. Go after what they are doing in principle. I'm I'm not saying you have to imitate their personality and you have to sound like them and I'm not talking about that. There's nothing funnier. I was in Bible school, you know, and Brother Hagen at that point was probably 85 years old and it doesn't matter what Bible school you go to, students do this could be at, you know, Valor with Pastor Parsley, you could be, you know, at Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's, you could be at Rhema, whatever. And those, they, they look up to those men of God, but the mistake they made is they, they try to sound and look just like those men of God. That's a mistake. Learn the lessons, receive their impartation, receive their teaching, but you don't have to be them. I tell people all the time, you know, don't try to be Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. You will fail miserably. (laughs) There is one Dr. Rodney Howard Brown and you're not him. And and the thing is, he's graced and favored to do what he does. And he does it in a way that nobody can explain because it's the Holy Ghost. You can't explain how the Holy Ghost does what he does. And so I was in Bible school with uh, Brother Hagin and you'd see when we have our preaching courses, you know, homiletics, where you had to preach a message as a, as a student, learn how to write a message, outline a message, preach a message. And you'd see these young people get up and try to be Brother Hagin. It's like, bro, you're 19 years old, not 85. And literally they'd clasp their hands in front of them and hunch their neck down and and walk around the room, teach it. It's like, you're not Brother Hagin and you're not 85 years old. I I never never understood it. It was like, made me laugh. It's like, be who God's made you to be. Receive the impartation, receive the teaching, but be who he's made you to be. It cracks me up. And so there should be a comparison forward, but not to emulate personality, but to emulate principle. Right, write that in the comments. Imitate principle, not personality. Imitate principle, not personality. I'm not trying to be them. I'm trying to take on their disciplines. Amen. The disciplines is what you got to catch. And so As we're looking at this and we're we're talking about this, it's important to be introspective. I don't often mention a lot of, a lot of secular books or whatever, but one of the books that really like, I used to keep it in my backpack with me wherever I go because it's a smaller book. It's like one of those five by seven hundred pages or so, but John Maxwell released a book and it was, it's entitled how successful people think. And he wrote how successful blew my mind because it's each chapter is a different way that successful people think. And one of them that really, really got me was that successful people will take the time to stop and think over what they've done, what they've accomplished. And then what do they do? They assess it and they say, okay, that was good. How could I have made it better? You know, because one of the things because so many people are insecure, nobody wants to look at that anything they good that could be looked at as negative. You know, they just want to hear everybody praise them. Man, that was awesome. You did such a great job. All that was powerful. All that was cool. They want to hear that because most people are insecure. You can't be truly successful being insecure because you'll miss out on increasing your productivity and the level of your quality. If you can never hear, if you can never hear uh, correction or instruction because of insecurity, it will hurt you. And in the long run, it'll end up destroying you. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be open. In fact, now, and of course the Bible says in Proverbs that wise people love correction. They love it. I look for it. I look for it. In fact, anytime I produce something, Whether it be, I don't care if it's a graphic, a website, a book, an article, I will bring that to people that I know, know what they're talking about and those that I trust. And I'll say, look over this and tell me what you hate about it. Tell me what you hate about it. I don't want to hear what you like about it. That doesn't help me. I want to hear what you don't like, what's hard to understand, what's hard to process. Barrett's here. She's helped me in the past. I've written things and sent them to Barrett and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of this uh, chapter? What do you think of this book? And she'll write back and say, hey, this, this, and this. I have others that I'll write and say, what do you think? I want to hear what you don't like. I want to hear what didn't make sense. I want to hear what, you understand? Because that makes me better. That makes me more efficient. It makes me more productive. I don't want to waste my time writing six books and making the same mistakes over and over and over. And I was, I, I I was, it was hard to understand for six books, he didn't learn, learn his lesson until seven books later. I don't want that. I want to get correction. I want instruction and so that I can increase. There is no increase without instruction. Oh, hallelujah. There is no increase without instruction. There is no increase without correction. None. Unless you want to talk about failure. And if that's the way you want to learn, you'll be learning for a much longer period of time than others who can take instruction because trial and error is not God's way of building his body trial and error. That's why we have the Holy ghost who teaches us all things. You see what I'm saying? There's no increase without instruction. unless you want to talk about trial and error, that's not the plan. Well, I've failed for the last seven times. God, I don't want you to keep failing, failing, failing. That's why he's got, you've got the Holy Ghost. And it's why you've got people who can give you a word and direct you and give you advice, wisdom. You know, you have a, a, a council of people. You know, there's safety in a multitude of counselors, the Bible says. Why? Because they can give you advice so that you don't fail. Amen. But you've got to guard who those counselors are. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say this. And I want you to put it in the comments because this will, this will, it, oh, the peace that this brought me in my life. I can't, it can't be quantified. Barrett, it, it can't be quantified. The peace that this one thing I'm about to tell you brought me. You ready for it? Never take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. Never take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. What do they know about it? It's easier to be an armchair quarterback than to actually go to the gym and learn how to throw a football and try out for a team and work out with the team and make first position and be able to start on the team. It's just easier to sit at home with nacho chips all over your face, say, I would have never made that pass if I was him. Yeah. You're not him. That's why you got your stomach rolling over your open jeans and your lazy boy and you got beer breath and you have nachos on your wife beater. Hopefully I was able to paint a good mental picture for you there. Close to home there. <laughs> now, easier to be an armchair quarterback. Don't take constructive criticism from people that have never constructed anything. That's why. It's like if somebody comes up to me and starts trying to, what did you see? <laughs> it's like, for example, why would I have someone come up to me that's never, ever done, never, ever done anything I'm trying to do and says, like, I just don't appreciate the way you preach your messages. Oh, really? How, well, have, do you preach? Have you preached messages? Well, I'm not a preacher, but I'm just telling you from a listening standpoint. <laughs> I don't like the way you give altar calls, brother. Oh, you give a lot of altar calls that have a lot more people getting saved than that? Well, no, I don't, I don't do that, but I'm just telling you I think you could do it better. It's like, well, bro, if you don't do it and you can't tell me from experience how to do it better, then just hold thy peace. <laughs> now, if somebody else came up to me, if, for example, I mentioned him earlier, I'll mention him again. If Dr. Rodney came up to me and said, hey, I think, I think the way that you're calling people to Christ could be improved. I don't, I don't think you're doing it properly. I'd say, Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears now. I'm like, all right, tell me, what am I doing? How can I, because he's called many people to Christ. If I'm, for example, my father could be, pull me aside and say, I've been watching how you've been operating the gifts of the spirit. And um, I think you're, you're missing it here, here, and here. You need to be, this is what you need to be doing. This is how you need to be preparing. Okay, I, my, my ears are open. You know why? Because I've watched my father operate proficiently in all nine gifts of the spirit for my entire life. So I, I've watched him Be very proficient at it, so obviously I'm going to listen to what he has to say. You know, if I've got somebody come up to me and and gives me a, this, by the way, this is the reason that if you're a plumber, you don't apprentice under a surgeon. There ain't no plumbers walking into hospitals, like sitting in the, literally sitting in that, you know, they have those theaters where you can watch the opera, the, the operation being done and other surgeons and the doctors will watch the operation. You, there ain't no plumber sitting there like, don't pick that one, get that other tool down there. That's the one you want. They would look at him and throw him out of the theater. What is this plumber giving me instruction on how to do a surgery? He's never done one in his life, didn't even go to medical school. See what I mean? And this happens in the body of Christ and people get all bent out of shape because they got a piece of insurance. Now they feel like they're wondering if they were even called to do what they were called to do. That person who hated on you, they've never done it once. Don't take constructive criticism from people who've never constructed anything. Yeah. One time I was preaching as a younger preacher and for a pastor that's built a very successful church and he's a soul winning machine, even at 60, he's overseas and even at, even at 60 something years old. He, and he has a large church of about 4,000 people. And even at, at 60 something years old, he's got one of those, um, like trucks, like box trucks that the side of the box truck folds down into a platform and it's all set to go for crusades. He'll still take that truck with a team at 60 something years old, drive around where he's at, stop at multiple cities in one day, multiple. They'll do like three to four crusades in one Saturday. As soon as they're done, fold the box, up, drive to the next one, set up and preach. And he'll have souls saved on the streets at, what is he, like 65, 66 years old, near and 70. And he'll go out, preach four crusades in a Saturday before his Sunday morning service and see souls come to Jesus. And he's a soul winner. That's why he has a church of 4,000 people. He's a soul winner. And I was with him and I'm not, I'm not stupid. I can tell you that. One thing I'm not is stupid. Might be dumb. I'm not stupid. And and uh, we i was having revival at his church we were having powerful meetings and uh, but we went to lunch and i said well, what would you i said anything you see you know i'm not i'm open to criticism especially from men that are doing it see i'm notice now i'm asking most of the people that their advice is worth something they don't just give it out that's big yeah. i'm going to say that again the people whose advice is usually not worth much, are the ones giving it out to everybody for free all the time. Mm -hmm. Running around just giving it to everybody. Giving it to everybody. It's a sign that your opinion's not worth much if it's always going out unsolicited. The people who have true wisdom, they understand giving their opinion out like that to people is really not going to help that much, especially if it's unsolicited, because they know people do what they want to do. People do what they want to do. That's why I know pastors that are very effective that don't even counsel people anymore. It's because, like, I'm sick of 20 years of counseling people, and then you go do the exact opposite thing I, I advised you to do, and then you're ticked off at me because it didn't work out. Why don't you just go do your own thing to start with and save me three hours of counseling? How about get the word from the pulpit, be hear from the Holy Ghost, and then yield to his spirit? That's actually the most effective way of making it happen. I didn't see a whole lot of places where the apostles were counseling people in the assembly. Hear from the Holy Ghost. Hear the preaching under the unction of the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit, and then go do what the the Lord's telling you to do. It's it's all right to have advice, but I don't need a three-hour counseling session. Don't need it. But people that have wisdom, they're not just throwing it at everybody. You've got to pursue it. And I was pursuing it. And I said, hey, you've watched me minister now for the last four nights or whatever. Anything that you, and I had to pull it out of him. I had to really pull it out of him. And he finally said, well, he said, I will tell you this, Brother Ted, and you've been doing great. He said, but when you give the altar call for salvation, he said, make it extremely uh, plain that they are sinners. They are living in sin. This is how he broke it down to me. And at that time, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, the wider you spread the net, you know, the more people you're going to get. So I would list everything. You know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you need to make sure your life's right with God and then maybe you at one time, and then you just need to rededicate or maybe there's just some things, you know, and you, you cast this wide net with all these things you think, you know, that somebody will fall into those categories and then it'll respond to the Holy Spirit. He said, no, you need to make it very plain. You're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. Your life's not right. You're going to, you know, and he became very, he said, seriously, I'm not kidding. He said, you, he said, listen to me. I know this for a fact. He said, there are people who are coming in from all over the place that are just waiting for that moment of the service where their sin is called out so that they can respond to the Lord. I was like, huh? It's a different, but I mean, I was like, I get it. I mean, I understand. So that night and we've been having good altar calls. It's not like we haven't no one come to the altar. We've been having the altar, people coming down and getting saved, a bunch of people. But I said, I'm going to take his advice because he knows what he's talking about. That night, I went hard on it. I said, you're, a, you're in sin. You're on your way to hell. You're not right before God. And I just hammered that. I said, forget the rest. I'm hammering this, what he told me. Can I tell you, the altar was jammed, jammed with people getting out of their seat. Now, see, the human mind would think the more vicious you make it, People say, well, I'm not going to identify as that person. I ain't coming down for that. You know, I've just got a couple things I need to get right. But I'm telling you that by the Holy Ghost, when I did what he told me to do, and he'd been doing it for 50 years about, and, and did what he told me, the people flooded out of their seats and came to that altar to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Now, what happened there made me much more effective in the kingdom, much more productive in the kingdom. But I had to throw pride out the window. You've got to be humble, meek, and you've got to look for wisdom. You pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom. If you want to be productive, pursue wisdom and wise people love wisdom and correction. They love it. It's the fool. The Bible says that hates wisdom and correction. Fools hate it. Wise people love it. Now I'm in Ephesians chapter five, and I want to show you this now. Verse 15 And I'll read down through. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Introspection. That's introspection. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise. That means you can walk like an unwise person walks or you can walk like a wise person walks. Now here's the part I want you to get. Making the best use of the time. That's verse 16, because the days are evil, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so understand we're coming close to the return of Jesus. The days are evil. The world will get more and more evil before the coming of the Lord. But for the Christian, it'll get better and better. But that does mean as time's running out that we've got to make the best use of every opportunity in these evil days. Make, make the most of your time, make the most of your opportunities. Well, that means that you are preparing yourselves and are prepared to when an opportunity arises, boom, I'm already prepared. I've put myself in position to make the most of this opportunity. Don't have somebody come to you at work and say, so you go to church, you know, I've been thinking that I really need to get, What can you tell me more about salvation? He said, well, you know, let me get back with you next week. I got to go home and study it, make sure I have everything together. Be ready, be ready to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Why? The days are getting shorter. Look, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So right there, according to Paul, You can, as a human, understand the will of the Lord. You can know God's will. You can know what he wants done. You can know what he wants done in your life. You can know your purpose and your calling, and you can know your anointing. Know, know the will of the Lord. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Spirit. So one of the ways, um, Stephen's asking a question there. He said, just read day three of your book, Praise Life for Pete, the chapter called Eat This, Not That. I'm wondering if I have almost no sources of wise scriptural criticism from people who have not accomplished anything. Does that mean the Bible is my main source of chastisement? Uh, No, because then you also, especially in 2021, Stephen, you have resources like the one you're on right now. There's online resources. You can watch people's uh, messages on YouTube. You can watch, there's all kinds of people that you can read their books and, and listen to what they've taught and be in their services digitally. And You can receive that kind of teaching even if you're not in the building on a Sunday morning, there's all kinds of resources for you to pull from And receive impartation from even on a daily basis. So I would say to seek those things out and pursue impartation, and that'll help you. But notice this be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody of the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always. So, uh, what Paul's teaching here is the way to make the most of every opportunity is to be filled with and led by the Holy Ghost. Filled with, led by the Holy Ghost. Love you, Christian. So what do I mean by that? If you're filled with and led by the Holy Ghost, then at any moment you've got the ability to see a door of opportunity and the Holy Spirit can lead you perfectly as you pursue that, go through it. You might be dealing with a person and he'll tell you what to say. He'll teach you what to say. You don't know, you may not know the person, you know, may not know their, their circumstance. That's the power of the Holy ghost. That's where God comes in with assistance and helps you. Paul said to, um, to the uh, Corinthian church, he said, doors of opportunity have opened unto me. See, he, he had planned on being with them, but I believe he was writing from Ephesus and he said, mighty doors of opportunity have opened unto me, though many oppose me. That's what he wrote to them. And so he said, I I did plan to be with you. I'm not going to be with you now because these doors opened. So hold on now. Let me stop there. Paul was willing to change his plans by the Holy Ghost. That's one thing you need to catch. Some people are so set in their written plans and what they've got, what they're going to do, that if the Holy Ghost gave them an audible, they wouldn't be able to take it. They wouldn't be able to take it. And so... If the Holy Spirit speaks, be willing to audible. Yeah. Change your plans if you have to. Whatever it might be. Do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. Do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. One time, my father was speaking in our home church in West Virginia, where my Uncle Tim was the pastor. And um, my Uncle Tim was having my father get up to pray for the offering. And so my dad got up, took the microphone. I was a little boy. I remember this Sunday vividly. I was a a young boy. And uh, he said, oh, the Lord shows me something. There's somebody here and you've got this happening. He had had words of knowledge. The person responded and God touched him. He said, there's another person. You got this. And uh, the person responded, God touched him. Then he gave three more words. He said, there's a person here that needs X amount of dollars and uh, you need this amount of money. Who are you? Stand up and come forward. Well, nobody moved. He said, no, I'm telling you, you need this, this, and this. Nobody moved. Then he said, all right, there's a person here you're battling in your lungs, pneumonia. You need a miracle. Who is it? Nobody moved. Now, to the natural eye, it looks like he missed it. Got two that were on point, two, nobody was there to receive it, and so he missed it. Well, he just prayed over the offering, went and sat down. And the Lord spoke to my father said, do you want me to show you where the other two words are? He said, yeah. He said, go out the back door and leave the service. So my dad left this. I remember this. I was sitting in the church. I watched him get up off because back then the ministers used to sit on the platform. He stood up out of his seat, grabbed the keys off the coffee table that were in front of them, went out the back door of the church and left. And uh, he goes out, gets in his car, turns it on, drives to the end of the church driveway and he's waiting. He Can only go left to right. The Lord said, go left. And there he turned left, went, had him drive out of our uh, town into a, a town up the road, not far from us. And the Lord said, pull into this. Uh, driveway area, almost like a parking lot area. He said, pull in here and just wait. And uh, he said, all right. So he puts Noah there, pulls in. He said, just a couple minutes after he pulls in a guy that goes to our church, pulls his car into the, into that parking lot and sees my dad. He's freaked out. He said, brother Ted, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in church. And my dad said, which one are you pneumonia or you need money? And he said, well, I need money. He said, that's why I'm at a church today. He said, I'm meeting a guy here in a minute that's going to buy this car. He said, I saw, I'm selling the car to him. He said, you got it. He said, the money you need, he's coming to you. He's going to give you exactly what you want for the car. You got it. God bless you. He got back in his car to leave. The guy said, aren't you going to stay to see if it comes to me? said, no, nope. Lord said it's done. And so he left the parking lot. Well, by that time, our service would have been over. And he said, well, I'd like to be in church somewhere. He knew there was a pastor up the road in Fairmont that started later and uh, they had a Pentecostal church. He said, well, I'll go down here, him preach. So he gets out of his, uh, gets out of that driveway, drives down to where that guy's church is and gets parks in the parking lot. And one of the elders, I believe it was Elder Brown, saw him and his eyes got wide. He said, brother Ted, it's a miracle that you're here. He said, Bishop's in the back room. He said he can hardly breathe. He's coughing, hacking. He's got pneumonia. doesn't know how he's going to preach today. There's the second word, somebody needed money, somebody had pneumonia. And the Lord said, if you follow me, I'll show you where the other two words are. Got the word in the parking lot, drives down, goes into the back room, lays hands on him, power of God heals him. Hallelujah. He's healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Guy goes out, preaches the gospel, had a powerful service in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord was teaching my father that you can make the most of every opportunity, be led by the spirit. And when you are, guess what happens? See, One of the ways that we have to learn this, if we're going to make the most of our time, make the most of every opportunity, you've got to be led by and operate in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. He's the greatest resource. He is the greatest advantage we have as believers. I can't understand when people neglect the Holy Ghost. I can't understand when people just push him to the side so that they can have their plans come to pass. When God was very plain in Isaiah and said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. So why would I ever want to substitute my thoughts in for his? I don't need mine. See, if my father was going by his thoughts, he'd have never got those other two words. But by being led by the Holy Ghost, he can take you right to where you need to be at the right time. Hallelujah. Do you know sometimes uh, the Lord will guide you and lead you. And, uh, it's, it's for the, the help of somebody else. And you don't even know that they're going through anything. You don't even know that they're dealing with anything. You know, it's like, um, you know, I was thinking to thinking to myself in a service one time in, in, um, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee is where I was. And I was praying for all these people and I was getting ready to close the service. And, um, I'm sitting there and the Lord said, you're not done yet. And he said, see, now he's leading me. And he looks, I look down and the Lord says, do you see that young man? And I did see him standing there, looked totally fine. Didn't look like anything, dressed really well, very preppy, you know, looked very successful, like a successful student. And the Lord said, you need to pray for him and cast off the spirit of suicide, heaviness and depression. Well, he didn't look depressed. Didn't look suicidal, didn't look heavy. He looked like a, you know, looked like a football player that just does well in school. That's what he looked like. But I had to be led by the Holy Ghost because I'm not the Holy Spirit. I follow the Holy Spirit. So even though he wasn't dressed in all black with black fingernail polish and, you know, goth looking, you know, if that was it, I'd say, oh yeah, he looks like he's got a spirit of heaviness on. He didn't look like it. There's nothing in the natural realm that would have spoken that to my heart except the Holy Ghost. I go down, I lay hands on him. I prophesy that over him. It's coming out today. Declared it by the word. It's coming out. Depression's leaving you. Suicidal thoughts are leaving you. All the, And then he got it. I mean, he took off dancing across the front, screaming and dancing in front of everybody at that at conference. And afterwards he told me, I don't even attend any of these churches that, that put this youth camp on. He said, but my buddy called me. And he said, when he called me, my parents were out of town. I had found my father's uh, handgun, loaded it, racked one into the chamber, had the barrel against my temple yeah. and my phone buzzed. And it was my buddy from this camp a church saying, would you like to go to youth camp with me? And he said, I put the gun down for a second. I thought, you know what? I'll do one more fun thing with my friend before I kill myself. And see, I already had a spirit of suicide, had a spirit of depression. All that was already on him. He didn't look like it, but the Holy ghost knew that he'd been sitting in that room. Well, when I laid hands on him that day, the power of God hit him and he was delivered. See, that was the last time the devil was gonna have the opportunity to kill that young man because being led by the Spirit brings deliverance. You think about the fact that what you're doing for the Lord is saving people's lives and you don't even know it. Sometimes you don't even know it. I wouldn't have known it. I would not have known it. See, that's why you can't go by what you see in the natural. You gotta be led by the Spirit. You've got to be led by the spirit. And one of the ways, according to Paul, and the the most powerful way to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days is to be led by the Holy Ghost. We act like the Holy Ghost isn't that important, like he's some side dish to the entree of salvation. Well, you know, it's good to be, you know, have the Holy Ghost, but what we really need is Jesus. No, even Jesus said, you don't just need me. You need the Holy Ghost. Do you realize that? Jesus said that. You don't just need me, you need the Holy Ghost. So have you tarry in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. Don't preach, don't go out and proclaim my name. Don't go out and try to heal the sick. Don't cast out, don't do anything till you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said that. Tarry, that means wait, just wait. We've only been told to wait once in New Testament. Just wait, but what was it? Till the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And he was sent on the day of Pentecost. That was Jesus' desire. He said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'll send the comforter. I'll send the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll empower you. He'll teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is not like they make him out today in a lot of these, uh, you know, pseudo-Pentecostal, pseudo-charismatic churches. Where it's like, you know, what you really need is Jesus. And then, you know, later, if you still feel like you want the Holy Ghost, you know, at some kind of a a core group meeting, we'll do something in the basement so nobody sees it and get you filled. It's like you couldn't place any less of a priority on the Holy Ghost than some of these places do. And it's demonic because Jesus said you need him and you've got to be led. One of the greatest things any Christian could ever learn to do is train their human spirit to be led by the Holy Spirit. Train your human spirit to be led by the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to his voice. Why do you think I talk about fasting and prayer? Why do you think I talk about fasting? It weakens the flesh, silences the carnal nature, and lets your spirit man come alive and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. On this Friday, I'm going to pray for every one of you that are watching and listening. I'm believing that 2021 will be a year that you are led by the Holy Ghost like you never have been. He shows you things you've never seen, takes you places you've never been, and things that are unexpected happen in your life and cause you to be greatly efficient and impactful in the kingdom of God because you were led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for every person that's watching me now or even listening on the podcast. Let this be the day. Lord, if they're not filled with the Holy Ghost fill them today with the mighty baptism of the holy spirit empower them for your glory lord i i pray that every one of these that are listening to me within the sound of my voice fill them with the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in jesus name empower them by your spirit and then now let our spirits hear your voice clearly and be led by your spirit open doors for us that would not open before make us impactful make us efficient And effective in your kingdom. Let this be a year that we do more than we've ever done. Extreme productivity. We will run in 2021 in Jesus mighty name. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus name. If you believe it, somebody throw some hands or fire in the comment section and let us know. You're standing with us today and take a minute on this Friday. If you've not done so today, take a minute to sow a seed by faith. Those of you that are watching me, you know what we're doing now. All around the world, and it's begun now. It's begun. Uh, The first few weeks, uh, because it was staggered, we were airing our program in the United States. Now, uh, the program is beginning to air around the world in all these other countries. Uh, If they can put the the information on the screen, we're going to encourage you to sow a seed by faith. I see my friend, uh, Pastor Rob Conover. We went to Bible school together. He's a powerful preacher, and I love you, Rob. Um, There on the screen, you can see the information. You can always go to MiracleWord.com and right there on the give page, all of the different ways you can sow seed. Uh, You can use PayPal anywhere in the world. If you're in the U.S., Cash App, Venmo, hashtag donate on Facebook, but do something today. Do something today to help us preach the gospel, feed the hungry, and to get this message out before it's too late. We're here at uh, Boomerang Church for Kickstart 21. Tonight, the last scheduled night uh, of revival, Kickstart 2021, and uh, we want you to be here. I would say get here early because I have a feeling that we're gonna have a full house tonight. Yeah. So if you want a good seat, I would encourage you to get here before 6.30 New York City time, because we're gonna have a powerful time in the Holy Ghost. Um, <clears throat> Sean, we went to Rama Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Brother Kenneth Hagin's school before he passed away, and it's still there. Pastor Hagin is running it now. And uh, I'm, I thank God I had the opportunity. We want to see you tonight, 6.30, New York City time. If you, There's no way that you can get here. You can catch the services on Facebook, on YouTube, and uh, you'll be blessed, I guarantee it. It's going to be a powerful night. We love you guys so much. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Later.